Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the Rugby League podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line again this season is Peter Smith. We're back for our third season of Inside Rugby League in what promises to be one of the biggest and most exciting seasons for the sport in recent times. It's one I'm certainly looking forward to. I think that Rugby League can really kick on hopefully this year and capitalise on things like the new television coverage and the World Cup at the end of the year. Are you looking forward to it, Pete? A bit of fight there from, uh, <laughs> from you, Rich. That'll, that'll never do talking the game up. <laughs> um, there does seem to be a, a bit of an air of optimism around the sport at the moment. I think everybody was a bit down last year with um, COVID and, and the problems that caused, and then the World Cup obviously being, being cancelled, starting behind closed doors, that sort of thing. But there is a sense that maybe this is the start of something better, of improved times for rugby league. At the heart of that, there's probably been the, the Channel 4 deal. They've agreed to show 10 live Super League matches for each of the next two seasons. So that'll be the first time the competition's been available on free-to-air TV. And that's a fantastic thing for the sport. I think most people would agree with that. It'll open it up to a new audience. We're, um, we're going to be seeing a new approach to the sport by a broadcaster. I was chatting to... Adam Hills, not that I'm name-dropping or anything, <laughs> the other day at uh, Channel 4's headquarters in Leeds, and he was saying that they're hoping to make it look cool um, to emphasise the inclusive nature of rugby league and just to just to do something a little bit different. Um, I think they've assembled a good team with Hills presenting. Helen Skelton, who, of course, is married to Rhino's player, Richie Myler. She's a um, reporter on the touchline. Mark Wilson, who's a very good commentator, is commentating. They've got some interesting pundits. I think it's it's going to be a real breath of fresh air for the sport, and hopefully it'll show rugby league in a good light. I think that a lot of people have got to take responsibility for it. Though obviously, the players need to put on a show. Um, generally, you can rely on them to do that. I think it's going to need the fans to turn out in numbers to not decide to sit at home and watch it on TV, but to actually get out and attend the games and to behave themselves when they're there. Um, but I think if, if all that happens and comes together, then it, it could be a real boom for Rugby League. And they've picked a, certainly picked a very good opener. Leeds against Warrington on Saturday. Two good teams, well-run clubs, got a lot of star talent in both sides and two coaches who speak well on in front of the media and, and promote the game. So I think it's all set fair for a, certainly a very good start. Yeah, certainly. Um, I know it's not like me to hype anything, um, but I, I feel the same. I think it's, uh, some might say that, you know, rugby league, it's been a big year for rugby league every year since it was formed, hasn't it? It's always supposed to be make or break or the sport might end next season if this and that don't happen. But I think there's real grounds for optimism. As you say, the Channel 4 thing was... Well, a real surprise to me, it came out of the blue, but, you know, they've been looking, obviously, to grow their sport portfolio, haven't they, in recent years with the Paralympics and Formula One and tennis. And they seem, from what I've read and seen, to have done a good job with that, but also to have been getting the viewers in. Um, if people are, you know, given the opportunity to see something, then they seem to be, you know, whatever sport it is, they seem to take an interest in it. 
And, you know, let's hope it's the same with rugby league. I think one of the beauties of it as well, of course, is that if you sort of watch subscription television or you don't have a subscription to Sky or so or Premier or whoever, it's difficult to get much access to the game, but at least with Channel 4, it's free to view. And if you can't watch it live, then you can record it and watch it later. So again, it gives you a, a chance to get involved, tell other people about the sport. And as you say, hopefully grow the game. The product's certainly there. And you're right in picking two, a really good fixture to start with. Uh, Leeds, who you would expect to be up there at the end of the season, and Warrington with Daryl. Uh, you probably couldn't ask for a better start, really, TV-wise. And an interesting uh, bunch of presenters, as you say, too. And it'd be interesting to see just how Channel 4... Uh, present it in comparison with Sky and other companies. I've noticed that Premier have been getting some um, praise for their coverage of the Championship games. And uh, let's hope that Channel 4 can do a good job too. And, uh, yeah, and they, they may well, that may well have a, a positive benefit on Sky as well, who've had a monopoly for, for 26 years. And, you know, they've, they've been doing it a long time and, and maybe this a bit of perhaps competition, if you like, will um, will enhance their coverage, will we'll bring the best out of them. So I think from that point of view, it's it's a, a positive as well. I just can't see any negatives on opening the sport up to a new, wider audience. You get more people watching from different backgrounds, different areas. It's going to boost sponsorship and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, bring, bring more income in. And that is the thing that Rugby League needs above all else is it needs to generate more income streams and this is a step towards that so uh, well done to the sport for for arranging this and to channel four for coming on board that obviously they've got the headquarters in in leeds in the old majestic building just opposite the station and um they're now based in the hearts heartland of rugby league and um i think it i think it promises to be a very good and hopefully long-lasting relationship yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as you say, you can only see positives in it, really. And maybe even then, you know, it might, as a side effect as well, help rekindle interest in the Challenge Cup, which obviously is over on the BBC and has been in general all through the Super League era. But, you know, new viewers who come and see the game via Channel 4 might then follow the team that they pick through onto the Challenge Cup coverage as well and give that a shot in the arm too, because... It certainly needs it, and uh, it can only be good for the game, I think, really, in the long term. And uh, hopefully, you know, obviously from Sky's point of view, they're hoping to get more subscribers on the back of it too, so all the way around then. If, if they find more people who are watching it or subscribing, then when the next deal comes up for renegotiation, whether it's on Channel 4 or, or Sky, then the game can hopefully ask for more money than they've got this time around. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, all starts again on Thursday. That's the first um, the first day of the season proper for our purposes. The, the first game teams in our patch Friday night. New look Castleford Tigers at home to Salford Red Devils, which is a, a decent start, I think, for Castleford and for their new coach Lee Radford. It'll be his his first game as a team boss since March 2020 when he was rather unceremoniously dumped by Hull. But 
he's he's a he's a good guy. I've said this on here before. Lee Radford, a, a good bloke, very very engaging character. Um, he really seems to be enjoying himself at Castleford. The players seem to like working with him. They've got an interesting squad. Cast a lot of changes, brought in one or two um, solid performers from from clubs like Hull. Uh, Joe Westerman from Wakefield, a very good signing, in my opinion. And I think I think Castle go pretty well this season. I, I would think it might take them a few rounds to to hit their stride, which is probably the case for everybody. But they're going to need to get off to a decent start at home. They they lost eight games at home. Last season, I think they only won two of their home matches. Obviously, they're going to have to be a lot better in front of their own fans. But there's a big crowd expected, around about 9,000. It'll be a good atmosphere under the lights at Weldon Road. And I would expect Cass to uh, to get off to a winning start. Yeah, that stat that you mentioned there regarding Cass's home record, I'd forgotten just how bad it was uh, last season at home until I'd read that interview with Nile Levels yesterday. And he was saying, you know, it seems inconceivable that a team like Cass could have such a poor home record, particularly. I know, again, we keep mentioning but the problems with COVID and so on and injuries. And perhaps at times they went more for the Challenge Cup than Super League. They seemed to throw all their eggs in that basket, didn't they, as we discussed many times last season. But it does. You're going to get nowhere with home farm like that, are you? If, you, if you're relying on picking up lots of points away from home. It isn't really going to happen. And as you say, they've got to be a lot better at home this year. And I think Salford gives them the ideal opportunity to get off to a winning start. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Lee goes. He did a good job at Hull and he won the Challenge Cup for them, didn't he, a couple of times. And I'm sure that'll be a good starting point for Cass. You know, that'd be the sort of trophy they'd be looking to win first and foremost and then build from there. But as you say, he's made some good signings along with the ones, you know, the, some decent players that Daryl left behind. And I think they'll have a good season. Um, as you say, things I've read over the winter months, a lot of positivity coming out of Castleford. And the players seem fairly confident. They're obviously happy with the appointment of Lee. And uh, they seem ready to go, don't they? And, you know, hope that they have a good season. Yeah, I think so. You obviously. Um, the proof is in the pudding. I hope people give him a little bit of time to, to settle in because obviously it's a new squad, he's a new coach. It's going to take him a little while to to get everything together. But he he wants to play a good style of, of rugby. He has been successful in the past, in, certainly as you mentioned, in the Challenge Cup at Hull. And I, I think after eight years of... of Daryl, it's he's very different to Daryl, um, and I think I think that's that's good in a way. Daryl Powell was fantastic for Castleford; will be remembered in the club's history as one of one of the club's finest coaches, and, and transformed them from relegation fighters to to a team capable of challenging from silverware. But this is a fresh start now. Um, everybody's got to put what's happened in the past behind them and, and move forward. And and I wish. Lee Radford, all the all the, the best, really. He's, he's been putting a lot of time and effort into changing things around behind the scenes. Um, the first time I went down to the jungle to, to have a chat with him at the start of pre-season, he was actually painting um, 
painting one of the offices okay. when I got down there, <laughs> which um, I don't suppose you get many team managers doing in the off-season, but good on him. He's, he's really got stuck in, and I think he'll be very popular with the fans, um, and particularly if they can get off to a winning start this week, which, as I say, I expect them to do. Yeah, certainly. And then just moving on, just in a bit more depth, Peter, uh, Leeds and Warrington on Saturday. I know we touched on it regarding the Channel 4 coverage and obviously a blockbuster start for both teams. Um, both teams obviously aiming for the playoffs and ultimately the grand final. Um, made a few changes. Darrell obviously going into Warrington, I think, is a great appointment for them. And Leeds have made some good signings too, haven't they? Um, Aidan Caesar and Blake Austin in particular. Um, how do you see that one going? Well, I think Leeds have had a pretty decent pre-season. They've gone well in the, the trial games. The mood in the camp is very good. The squad is pretty strong. I think they have recruited well. David Fossitua, I think he's going to shake a lot of people up on um, on the right wing for Leeds if he can, if he can stay fit. Obviously, yeah. that's the, the clause you'd put in. Regarding everybody, James Bentley is going to add some steel to their pack. He's a very good signing. The two halves are world-class players. It's unfortunate that Blake Austin has been suspended for um, for this first game. That's sort of the typical thing that happens in rugby league, isn't it? There would have been a lot of, of interest focused on Blake Austin, who's a big name, facing his former club in the first game on Channel 4, and he's, he's copped a one-match ban. Um that's just something Leeds will have to put up with. It, it, it's far from ideal, obviously. Uh, the delay in charges being laid, it, the the game he was gone from was the 30th of January, so it, it's taken a while for the the charge to be um, to be put to him. So Leeds haven't had as much time to prepare as they'd have liked without him. But they have they have got options. Liam Sutcliffe could move to stand off, um, particularly if Harry Newman, who's got a hamstring problem, is past fit. Um, they could, of course, also bring Jack Walker in at fullback and move Richard Myler into the halves. So they, they do have options, but it's a shame Austin's not going to be there for the for the first game. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Leeds go. I don't think it'll affect the way they played too much. I think Caesar's going to be a terrific signing for them, just calling the shots and running, running the team around the field um, if the forwards can get on top and they have a they have a very good pack I think the front row of um, Mikuledski and Matt Pryor either side of Cruz Leeming is is as good as anyone in the competition yeah. I think if the, the forwards can get on the front foot create some space for, for the halfbacks um, and they can get the ball wide to the three quarters there's an, a lot of points in Leeds this season I think they'll be a good team to watch but Warrington are always a good side to watch as well, big game for them with it being Darrell Powell's first game as coach. They'll have some debutants. Um, they won the last time they came to Headingley by a point with a George Williams drop goal in his debut last season. I could see it being as close as that again. I honestly could, um, yeah. and I hope it is. I hope it's a, a cracker for the for the Channel Four viewers. But obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna say even without Austin, that um, I think Leeds will shade that one. Yeah, regular listeners to the programme will know that uh, myself and Peter aren't big fans of the rugby league disciplinary and uh, the new season, it doesn't look like things will be changing anytime soon. 
Well, well, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Rich. You mentioned that, but I, th- I think this is something that we'll definitely come back to yeah. later in the season because there is there is a, a harder attitude from the RFL this year. They've made no secret of that. Um, they are cracking down. They've they've been um, particularly hard on late tackles after a player's passed the ball, which they see as a potential for for causing injury. That's one thing they're cracking down on. And they've made it clear that any striking to the head, um, foul play like a headbutt or a kick to the head or any punch to the head will be a dismissal offence and it will bring a a ban of four or more matches. So I think we're going to see a lot of players coming up before the disciplinary this year, even more than, um, than we have done in recent seasons after the first round of the championship match matches and um which was also a challenge cup round there were 18 charges yeah. <laughs> um which is a lot and i i think we're going to see a lot of players sitting out for a game or two at, at times this season so i'm i'm sure that is something that we will we will come back to but the rugby league have to be seen to be protecting the players and that's what that's what they're doing yeah. um, obviously there's a bit of a lot of concern about concussion and head injuries there's talk of legal action from from past players and the sport has to be seen to be protecting its players and to be cracking down and, and trying to, to prevent head injuries and concussions and that sort of thing. We've now got an 11 day turnaround. So if you, if you concussed in a match, you will miss the next match. Whatever happens, if you fail a head injury assessment, you're out of the next game. So there's going to be a lot of players, I think missing, missing games here and there this season, whether through suspension or, the concussion protocols or other sorts of injuries. Yeah, I've no, I've no problem with that at all, Peter. I, I agree. You know, I mean, the last thing I want is to see any players being seriously hurt or having their careers ended, like someone like Stevie Ward, uh, because of head injuries or, or foul play. You know, as part anything which would uh, put a stop to that, or maybe make players think twice before making certain challenges. And I know the game's got to be seen to be doing the right thing. And, you know, as you touched upon there, there are players considering legal action against the game for things that have happened in the past. I fully agree with that. I just felt with Austin, with it being the first game of the season and an incident in pre-season, that maybe they could have just sort of said, yeah, we've we've said all this, um, but perhaps on this occasion, you know, a fine or a talking to will do. But if, you, if you're back again, you know, in a, within a few weeks, you'll get two games or whatever. Uh, just so that everybody started this the season with a clean slate, but I, I noticed as well. I have to say, after the uh, that first round of games, it, the rap sheet. Well, I think that was part of the reason that the Austin one was so long in coming out, wasn't it? That the <laughs> there were that yeah, many to deal that, with in effect. Um, that was that wasn't that that wasn't handled particularly well by the RFL. No, unfortunately, um, normally a match review panel on Super League games. It's held on a Monday and they look at championship and low division games on a Thursday. But for some reason, in pre-season, they've been doing them all on a Thursday. Had the Leeds Hall game been looked at the day afterwards, um, it was played on a Sunday. So if they'd looked at it on the Monday and issued a charge then, Austin would have been suspended for Leeds's yeah. game at Hunter, which he was never going to play in but it was officially a first team fixture and it would have counted towards his ban so he would have been banned he would have received a suspension but he would still have been able to play against um, 
against Warrington. As it happened with the hearing on a Thursday, even had it been the case been dealt with on the Thursday, we still have missed the Warrington game because it, because the reasoning is if, if the hearing's held on the Thursday, players have to be given a chance to appeal. Yeah. So the suspensions don't kick in until the following week. So even if it hadn't been pushed back to this coming <laughs> to the Monday afterwards, um, he would still miss the Warrington game. But yeah, to, yeah. to finally issue the charge eight days after the game was was it, well, it it's not a good look for the sport. I don't I no. don't think, um, and I would hope that it's something that we're not going to going to see a re- repeat of. But having said that, the, the people who do the match review panel aren't full time employees of the sport. Um, they're sort of trying to help the sport out. So you know, it, it, it's difficult to be to be too hard on them. But yeah, I I, I think the delay um, the delay was was disappointing and I can understand why Leeds would be upset about it. Yeah, sure. I mean, without labouring the point, but obviously a point that was made yesterday, I think by yourself in the YEP, that obviously uh, Leeds have been planning for Austin to be playing with them against Warrington. So all that goes out the window and, you know, I just think a bit of common sense on this occasion with it not being this, you know, the start of the season and taking into account the delay, but you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I want, you know, I don't want to see anyone hurt deliberately or otherwise, particularly in the head, and anything that can help improve that side of the game, even if it means players missing matches so they learn a lesson. That's that's fine by me, but uh, I just think a bit of common sense all round could have been shown in this particular instance. Um, yeah, but, but as you say. To be seen to be doing the right thing and, and the same for everyone. So I think that's what we'll be, ca- as usual, it'll be the consistency, that famous word of ours as the season goes on with the disciplinary, uh, that everybody is treated consistently regardless of who they play for and so on. Yeah. Um, you're a Wakefield fan. Your boys start at home to Hull. Yes. How's that going to go, Rich? Uh, quite fancy, Wakey. Uh, bit like we said earlier regarding rugby league and every year's a big year for rugby league. Every year's the year that Wakey are finally going to drop out of Super League, but they've been in there since going up in 98 and, and they're still clinging on. Um, I know Hull have got a few injury problems and I say I think that's why it may well be a good time to play them, You know, catch them early in the season before they get too many of their key men back. And... Uh, Talked before. I mean, Wakefield haven't made a huge number of changes. I suppose finance, as much as anything, has dictated that. But they've made that key change at the end of the season when they appointed Willie, which I think we chatted about towards the back end, and both agreed uh, was a great appointment for the club. Um, somebody who knew the club well and popular with the the players and fans. And the, again, as you were saying about Lee Radford, from what I've read and seen, the the Wakefield squad of certainly taken to Willie and seem to be enjoy playing under him. And uh, I think they might surprise a few people again. I think a bit like Castleford Wakefield's main thing is that they've got to be beating the other teams that you would expect to be around them at home. That's that's their, their most sort of key job of the season, you would say. Uh, win as many of the home games as possible. And, and as we've seen in the past, Wake are always capable of going to one of the so-called bigger clubs and, and nicking the odd shot win away from home. And I'd like to think that, you know, they stay up again 
it's always going to be tough. Again, the wet nature of the game, people do get injured. And as we've just discussed, there's going to be obviously more suspensions as well this season, which will certainly stretch Wakey's squad. But uh, I think, you know, quite optimistic if Tom Johnson and Tom Lynham can both stay fit. Uh, they've certainly got some strike out wide, haven't they? And the fairly settled side in terms of and Joe Westerman obviously be a big loss, uh, you know, given how well he came or revived his career down at Bellevue over the last couple of years. Um, but uh, I think... I think they've got enough to stay up again. I'm not. I'm not over worried at this point, <laughs> which might sound a bit ridiculous before a ball's even been kicked. Uh, but that's the nature of being a wakey fan. Um, always checking our glass to see whether it's half full or half empty. Uh, but I think Willie's a, a, a good appointment. Uh, you know, as, as we've said, and you know, I'm looking forward to see how they go. Hull, uh, I think. We'll get better as the season go on and, and more of the players come back. But but just for now, it could be that Wakey could just catch them, you know, in front of a decent crowd uh, down at Bellevue at the start of the season. Just um, before we finish, you mentioned being fairly confident Wakefield won't get relegated <laughs> there. And I didn't suggest this before we came on air, but um, let's do a couple of predictions and I, I can't tip a wheelbarrow I'm hopeless at this sort of thing but yeah. um, just quickly who's going to get relegated Rich? Oh, put me on the spot now um, but I'd say toss of the kind between Salford and Toulouse yeah I think it'll be I think it'll be Toulouse yeah um, I think it'll be, they'll find it very difficult they've lost a couple of a couple of key players already before the season starts and yeah, I think they'll find it. Um, they'll find it hard going. So, Challenge Cup winners. Well, every year I always say that I'd like Wakefield to get to Wembley again. Um, I don't think they will, unfortunately. I think that could be right for somebody like Castleford again this year. I think that'll be a trophy they they'll target, and uh, it'd be nice to see Lee Radford get some silverware in his first season. Yeah. Well. I'll, um... I will... Sorry, I know you tipped them last year. I haven't nicked your tip, have I? <laughs> I did, yeah, I, well, I, I think they've a chance. I think they've a, they've a real chance. But I will say... Um, it's earlier this year, which makes a difference. Obviously, it's in, in May, so it's not going to have such a bearing on the Super League title race. But um, I'll say Leeds Reinhardt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, league leaders I think Catalans might do well again this year um, I'll go Catalans uh, somebody yeah. different I well I'll say somebody different they won it last year didn't they but you know from my point of view I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought yeah, it, it, again it, you'd think Catalans wouldn't you Saints Warrington maybe I think I will I think I'll go for Warrington yeah um, just have a good year under under Darrell and the winners of the grand final will be it's hard to look past Saints I've got a lot of friends who are Saints fans and they'll all be very confident that Saints are going to do it again but I, I would have said if you'd asked me I don't know 
Warrington, I, I do fancy Warrington, but I think they might just need a year under Daryl. I think they might come really good next year once they've had a year under him. I'm not saying they won't do well under him. I think that they'll be there or thereabouts, but I think they might just need a year uh, to get used to him and maybe bring in a couple more players in next season. Um, but if you really, I know it's an old cliche, but it, it's probably Saints again. <laughs> the man who sat on the yeah. fence. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, it's hard to argue against him, isn't it? But yeah. nobody's ever done it four years. No. Running and it, you know, it'd be nice to see a different name on the trophy. So, um, I'll go Catalans, but I think we should we should destroy this tape. Like one of those Mission Impossible. Yeah. So nobody, when, when we get it completely wrong at the end of the year, nobody uh, holds it against us. But yeah, I'll go for um, I'll go for Catalans. One thing I would say about the top of the table, in my opinion, is that this year, you know, the likes of Leeds, Warrington, Catalans, Wigan should certainly be capable of pushing Saints a lot harder than maybe they have been in the last couple of years. Uh, now that the kind of COVID seems to be receding, Touchwood and, you know, fans are fully back in and everything else. I do, I do think that even if Saints win it again, they'll have to work a lot harder against those teams, particularly. I think, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot tighter competition in that regard. And once it gets to the playoffs themselves, pretty much, I think anything could go in one-off games between any of those clubs I've just mentioned. Yeah, let's hope so. So I'll have let's a fiver so. on all of the top six, please. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Anyway, thanks, Peter. As I say, um, at the top of the programme, we'll, as the season goes on, we'll have a look at other things such as the World Cup uh, coming up at the end of the year. And it'd be nice to have a look at the Championship uh, one week as well, Peter, with Featherston and Lee and Batley yep. all going well. And that, I think that's going to be an interesting competition, which again might draw new interest to clubs as the season goes on. A really healthy crowd at Featherston last night, wasn't there? Even though it was on the TV. Yeah, very good, yeah. Over 4,000 here. Yeah. Uh, and just I noticed just before we came on, um, Hunslitter on BBC, aren't they, this weekend in the Challenge Cup, which is worth a mention, talking of televised. Or, is that a behind the red button game, I believe? Uh, Hunslitter and Siddle in the Challenge Cup? It is, yeah, but um, that's a good thought, Rich, and it's, I think they've slashed the prices to a fiver right. for that one. So, um, so, yeah, you know, if you can if you can get along to that, that's a, a, a bargain. Really, um, and it should be an interesting game. I'd, I'd expect Hunslet to win, but against Siddle, who are a top amateur team, I think they will have to play very well. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, it was already the big shot last week, wasn't they? But Oldham, yeah, yeah, um, so he's looking forward to that one. And as you say, with the, with the Challenge Cup being Earlier this year, it could throw up a few more surprises as well as some teams, uh, you know, start developing a bit later than others, don't they? So it yeah. could be anyone's. Okay then, Peter, I won't ramble on anymore. That's a, a nice start to the new season. Thanks for all your comments and insights as usual. Hopefully we'll be back on a regular basis as the season unfolds. But for now, thanks for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon. 